Welcome to the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We are broadcasting from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. Our guest today is Jean-Charles Boisset. Welcome to the na- to the Grape Thank Nation, Thank you. John it's a Charles. great honor to be with you, Sam. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. I missed you at the Naples Winter Wine Festival, so it's great to sit down with you. Now, Jean-Charles, a lot of people know your wines. A lot of people drink your wines. But they may not know about you, which I think is is much or more fun than the wine. So what I want you to do is give me a little background on your journey in life and wine that really got you to today, which is, and we'll try to get into everything. Of course. Well, thank you, Sam, so much for the opportunity. We missed each other in Naples, but we're in Charleston. That's right. Which One ain't of the bad. best place yeah. in the world. Ain't bad. So similar to Charleston, I was born in a tiny village in Burgundy named Vougeot. Vougeot is obviously the pinnacle, the temple, the Vatican, you know, of Pinot Noir. So I was born in that small village, really fed with my nature as my best friend and fed with wine since birth. So I played in the garden, which was the vineyards. And when my parents started in 1961, was basically the living room and the winery. So I've made wine since day one. Wow. And I've had the pleasure to drink wine. And my mother always teases me, saying, Jean Charles, I never had to mix water and wine. You always wanted straight to up. Have straight up the wine pure. <laughs> that explains everything now. That explains but keep going. <laughs> well, and very fortunately, you know, made wine at the age of five, six, seven, worked in the vineyards at that time, harvested. And you know, in those years, in the 70s, you did everything with your parents and grandparents. Right. And the village in general, there was no keys, no alarm system, everybody knew one another. And I really early on developed a great sense of smell and taste, always loving making wine. So my sister and I really learned how to do it almost since birth. Wow. So I fell in love with wine. And frankly, even though I did many other things, I could never escape the elixir of God, the gift of life, which is that beautiful grape that transforms itself into wine. So I was made for it, predestined for it, and made to live in the wine world. But let's talk about that for a second, because, you know, you can close your eyes and you can think of this little village in Vosges, and, yeah. you know, farmers Absolutely. running around the fields and all that. But you alluded to the fact that you left it for a little bit. A um, couple of questions. One, it sounds so good. What compelled you to leave? And two, tell me a little about what you did because you did some interesting stuff. Um, you came to the U.S. That's you, right. You, I think you fell in love with the U.S. when you were about 11 or something. Absolutely. So fill that gap in for me. Well, absolutely. So I was very fortunate. First, my grandparents were resistant in the Second World War as well on both sides. So I was really born and raised with a great American way of life, admiration for the U.S., love for U.S., and respect. Ten and a half, my grandparents take us to the U.S. with my parents. Fell in love with the West Coast, California, visited one winery, Buena Vista Winery, and it became my dream to be in California, to be in the U.S., live there, and continue to make wine there. So a couple of curiosities. You're coming from Europe. I mean, why not stop in New York? I mean, how did you get all the way west? The mission of California. And and not L.A. For sure. Well, we started in Monterey, 
to really visit each of the missions of Northern California that the Catholic did, you know, in the 17th, 18th century. So we discovered all the landscapes, the beautiful Pacific Highway 1, the gorgeous historical buildings of San Francisco, finished in Sonoma. Hence, we visited Buena Vista. There, Sam, epiphany moment, touched the wall, first winery in the history of California. I said, I want to be here. My sister felt the same. So all my life, for the last 40 years, my dream and my obsession was to buy Buena Vista, which when you have a dream, as Martin Luther King said, follow it and eventually it happens. And it did. I finally bought Buena Vista eight years ago and could make my dream fulfilled of owning the oldest winery in California that I toured when I was 10 and a half. That's a crazy story. Well, in addition to that, my love of the U.S. was so strong that I came to high school at the French school in D.C. when I was 16 and then came back to university in the U.S. So I really felt compelled, Sam, magnetically attracted to the U.S. lifestyle. Now, you moved here in the 90s, right? I mean, Well, I moved here a little bit in the 90s as I was completing graduate school. And I lived for four or five years on the West Coast, right. starting importing our French wines. But then I went back to Burgundy, 98, 99, all the way up to 07, where I moved again back, running the French business from Napa Valley. You know, you're, you're very humble because there's a lot going on. And, you know, we'll try to get to that. Um, your love of California prompted you to really open your eyes yes. and get involved with other properties. Correct. And now's as good a time as any. I mean, one of the beautiful things about you is you've curated a, an incredible array of holdings. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about, first, let's talk about some of the California stuff because yes. we're on that. So Buena Vista, not the earliest. because That's right. Well, and Sam, when I came, I was 10 and a half. I tried a variety of wines. My grandmother was very open to us as kids. Obviously, they knew we made wine. At home, we were drinking wine. So we tried it, and I loved it. So my attraction to the U.S. was non-economic, was really for the passion of what the quality could be. So in 2003, researching a lot of wineries, I came across a great family, the Deloach family, in the Russian River, Sonoma County, one of the best producers, if not the best, of Chardonnay Pinot, and cool climate. Oh, I was just going to say a cooler climate region. Love it. Which is great for those grapes. Which is exactly what we need. So fell in love with them. So we successfully, luckily, the day of the Hospice de Bone of 2003, November 18, bought the winery. And I got involved a lot on viticulture and winemaking in California in a bigger way. Then, luckily, six years later, we bought Raymond in the right. heart of Napa iconic estate. Raymond Reserve, right up there with anything. Right up there. Two brothers, phenomenal, who didn't have the generation to follow and said, you're the candidate we want. So won. that's where the opportunity was. Yeah. It wasn't falling into someone else's. That's right. Good Great family, again, similar to Deloach, no family to follow. And then my dream was always Buena Vista. So after this amazing acquisition of Raymond, today we have over 400 acres San Alina, Rutherford. Under the Raymond umbrella? Under the Raymond umbrella, Jesus. which is phenomenal. Well, we just recently bought the Bartolucci across the way in San Alina. I'm sure you know 
historical family planted that vineyard in 1906. So loving California, I said, what's missing is my dearest, beloved, love at first sight, coup de foot Buena Vista. Try to buy it successfully, unsuccessfully, for two years, for 20 years. Finally. So as Raymond and Deloche, your eye was always on always Buena on Vista. the beautiful Buena Vista. So when, how, when and how does the opportunity come? Well, the opportunity was a great man, Lou Girardo, who owned Boudin Bread, who wanted to get out of the wine business, and he had bought a few wineries. So I was really there at the right time and orchestrated the acquisition, which we did in literally 60 days, very fast. Bought the historical site, some of the vineyards, and obviously the incredible brand of yes. Buena Vista. Embark in an amazing journey of restoration, which we did. We spent a lot of money, obviously, restoring the White House of Wine, right. as I call it. Right. The first gravity flow winery in history of California, which we did, luckily, because the earthquake happened. If we did not do that, the building would not exist anymore. Wow. So got very lucky. And I would like to say, Sam... Fate, my calling for the U.S., my love for this amazing nation that I call home today, and my admiration for the U.S. So I didn't come again because I wanted to make a living. I came because of my true and honest and authentic attraction for the American way of life. So that answers the question. You know how coveted Burgundy is. Yes. You know how collected it is. You yes. know how expensive it is. You know, it's beyond its moment as far as the auctions and all of that. It's You answered the question is why a guy from Burgundy ultimately, you know, settled in the United States. Well, that was the answer, the visit when you were 10 and a half. That's right, a paradigm shift. And to follow your dream, you know, I think it's very important, Sam, your question for, for several reasons. In Burgundy, I've made wine all my life. We build a great collection of wineries, but I'm really following the dream of others from the past. The map is already done. In California, I'm honestly feeling that every day I'm crafting the map of the future. And it's a great feeling when you build. As an American that you are, you constantly build. You've built the greatest radio network for wine and food. You've started five years ago. Look at where it is today. So similar for us, we're building the map of the future. In Vougeot, where I still live today, half of the time, the village was founded by the monks in the 11th century. They had the brilliance to create the Clos Vougeot and the Clos Vougeot Blanc. I obviously own a big part of it. Right. I'm fortunate, but I follow their dreams. I'm not creating the map of the future. I get that. And that's eloquently laid out. Thank you. Um, one of the things I love about you, I love about your wine, we know that wine in reality is an agricultural product. Yes. Uh, you know, when you described growing up in the fields, tasting wine and all that, you've chosen to go down a path, which is very admirable, of biodynamics. Not, Thank not you. necessarily organics. We're talking, yes. you know, biodynamics. And I'm assuming a lot of the properties are biodynamic and it's a direction you'd like to be everywhere. Um, even, is it at Raymond? You have this sure. biodynamic theater We have or a theater right? of nature to showcase. And thank you for saying that. And I need to tell you the origin because it may interest people. Again, go back to the 70s, 
when you have the chance to know your grandparents right. and your parents, you all live close to one another. My grandmother taught me the principle of pendulum energy, which is Comp you know using a pendulum to understand right. the magnetic flow, the current, and the telluric energy and the cosmic energy. She taught me composting. She taught me the life of bees. She taught me why b birds go and eat here versus there. So she taught me the principle of Mother Nature, defending and preventing illness with Mother Nature. So she was talking and practicing biodynamics before it was necessarily coined a term, because if you wanted to do it right or ethically or whatever the description is, that's the way you did it. That's the way you do it. So biodynamic is following the lunar calendar, basically the galaxy and its functioning in relationship of the earth, the sun, and the moon. So we follow the Mariatun lunar calendar, or the Chinese calendar, that they still use today, and we treat the vineyards with the plant that surround the vineyards. So it's a very holistic system. It's a very fully integrated system. And I'm pleased to tell you, our estates in Burgundy, Domaine de la Vougeray, organic and biodynamically certified, Beaujolais, Chateau de Pierreux, Chateau Neuf du Pape as well, Raymond Vineyards, 290 acres, oh, organically oh, certified. Right. Biggest in the country. Same as the Loach. So when you look back, it's your grandmother that was yeah. the influence. My You know, when you say to people, why'd you do it? There's a million different answers. I mean, yes. that's an organic answer in its own way. In its own right? way, the, the genealogical tree, the family tree. And then quickly... I've always been very close to Mother Nature. I was raised on it. Right. So therefore, I could listen to her, feel her, sense her. And I knew plant would be the best friend to treat nature as well. So I've been doing the composting, doing the biodynamic preps all my life. So it's second like... Second nature to you. Second nature. And it's like homeopathy for the human being. You treat your body with plants. So let's get away from France for a second because Burgundy, there's a lot of farmer owners that yeah. you know have been doing organic or biodynamic. What about like Napa and Sonoma? It seems like there's a direction moving towards that, but I don't know. Was there much of it? I mean, and still don't not. you want your neighbors? All of it. To so how does that change? I mean, Well, luckily when we bought the loach, we convert it immediately into organic. And well, one way is acquisition, but you can't yes, buy everything. But we converted the whole vineyard. We pulled it out, we planted it, converted it organic. We invited all the growers, providing grapes to the load, saying, we'd like you to move sustainable organic biodynamic. Half of them did, which is great in America because people listen. If there's a reward, not just financial, quality they do so we did it converted a lot and did the same at raymond today with our two theater of nature we receive over eighty thousand people consumer that come and see it and learn from it an application is online as well as theaterofnature.org and in addition we provide the compost and the preps for our growers so they don't always have to do it themselves we give it to them so they that, that's are one way of pushing the needle that's over, right. being proactive. But I need to tell you, Sam, forgive me to go on and on. American people, and that's why I love them, are very open to change. French people are really set into their own ways. More stubborn. A little more. <laughs> so here, when you explain someone rationally, something to someone, 
often, if you're convincing and you prove that the quality is enhanced, they go for it. And that's why I love the U.S. as well. So if you're willing to invest the time in, you know, the Raymond Theater, yes. people, like you said, what, 80,000 will witness it and they'll walk away with a sense of what's better. That's right. You know, and what's start right. the experience before you taste the wine, by the vineyards, by nature. So people really immediately understand what is important to make great wines. You need great grapes and you need sustainable, organic, abandoned grapes untouched by synthetic products or mankind-created pesticides and herbicides that will unfortunately, Sam, end up in your glass of wine. So my next question, you sort of answered it, is, listen, you have wineries all over the world. You have multiple wineries. You know, how do you personally maintain a presence? And then how do you preserve the quality? I think one of the answers was, this is the way we farm. That's the way. Right? That's the way we farm. Luckily, we have an amazing team, Sam, both in France and the U.S., who is totally engaged into the process of not only farming organically, and biodynamically, making wine the same way. Right. I mean, my next follow-up question is always seller practices. That's it. So if you're, you could screw things up pretty quickly as a biodynamic farmer, and then you know all these additives. Naturally. So tell me a little about. Okay. Right. So it starts really when the grapes arrive, sorting tables, whole cluster or destemmed. Natural do both. yeast. We do both. Endogenous yeast. So fermentation starts naturally. Physical pigeage. Uh, Explain you quickly what pigeage, pigeage is. is. You basically, so know. you know, break the cap that forms at the top of the vat, so you homogenize the fermentation process. So you literally process. stand over with a device, or you and go you're physically just... with your legs. Right. That's why my legs are very soft. <laughs> They're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I've shaved them for Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then naturally, no pump goes by gravity into the barrel, and then natural aging. And you only top the barrel when the moon is at the lowest point. So you don't magnetize the energy up or polarize the energy. Similar to the ebb and flow of the ocean. And then you bottle always the wine when the moon is at the most restful point. So you don't excite and attract the energy up into anything you do. So there's a process to follow. Very specific. And I'm going very quickly, obviously, there's many No, but I think steps. people get an idea that, you know, the biodynamic thing, the organic thing is to follow certain practices and those are, you know, applied. And the definition, Sam, always for you to think about, it's the bio, you dynamize the biorhythm of Mother Nature, which means you work with the sun, the moon, the lunar calendar, the solar calendar, and the earth in relationship to them to do everything in nature, and nature functions naturally that way. So you don't go against the rhythm of nature, you go with her rhythm. Right. Why fight Pretty it? Pretty basic. Why fight it? All right, so let's... You said it. Why fight it? That's right. Let's talk about the wines and the wineries. I don't think we can cover everything, but I throw this to you about what we can cover. I mean, you know, I'm sitting truly with one of the you know, big, great winemakers as far as quality and as far as, you know, size. I mean, I, I think there's a couple of dozen plus wineries, yes. you know, under your umbrella. Well, let's talk about where they are. Dozen in Burgundy. Right. We have 31 total. Okay. If you include the Jura, the south of France and California. So you said it, the high concentration in Burgundy, high concentration in California. 
Exactly. Jura. Beaujolais and Beaujolais. Rhone. Okay. Southern Rhone, Chateauneuf, Gigondas, Vaqueras, all those great areas You know as well. I love Northern Rhone wines. Of Is course. there any plans to go up there? Why not? Okay. And we make a Côte Rôti, so you do. next time we'll have a bottle. Okay. So, you know, we're talking about a, a lot of wineries, a lot of diversity and everything. Um, where do you... Where do you spend most of your time? Are you you said half in Rougeau and Yes, well, you know, I'm very fortunately and luckily married with a lovely Can we lady talk from about California that? from a lady who is in the wine business, Gina. Gina who? Gallo. Okay. So very involved obviously in winemaking as so well. So we're talking about wine royalty in the US. Well, royalty, you're very kind. I'm not sure, but we well, love she's your tasting wife. Wines. That's why you're not being so nice to her. <laughs> Um, well, she's wine royalty. But, I'm just a servant. You know, you and I, we're not old guys, but we're not kids. But, you know, I grew up understanding what Gallo's position in the market was. In the yeah. last, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years, like you have, they've made some significant acquisitions. Absolutely. And diversified their portfolio and up their game. Yes. I mean, when you're lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, what do you guys talk about? Well, hopefully I'm staring at her on top or under. Okay. <laughs> but, but I'd it, like to bring my I, energy to so her. So without getting overly descriptive, which That's I don't why mind, we have twins, I'm just protecting the, the audience. But when that moment comes, what do you talk about? Well, is we, it always about wine? Is it kids? Is it what Well, is it? it's wine, it's nature, it's practices. It's uh, quality. It's really wine itself. We don't talk as much about the business. Right. We talk really quality together. And Gina, as well, loves making wine. You know, she's the winemaker for the ENJ Gallo winery, per right. se. And therefore, for me, loving making wine, specifically Chardonnay and Pinot and sparkling, we talk a lot about winemaking. And we talk a lot about creative experience. And we talk a lot about... You know, she's a great farmer as well and a great viticulturist. She grew up around, same thing. Same thing, so we love the plant. Are your schedules so crazy that it's like an appointment to see each other? No, or you we work always, your life where... We always have time, we always do. make time. And, and you know, you make the schedule you want to make. I'm here in Charleston four days because I want to. Right. And I think in life, people say they're busy. I'm never busy. I'm never busy in many ways. Always have time to discuss wine, whether it's about a bottle of wine or about a region or about an entire country. I always have time for great friends like you. You're a true wine guy, and that's what true wine guys do. Thank um, you. One of the interesting things, I think you've honed your craft. You can make great wine, but if you don't know how to market it or you can't get it out there, you're yeah. kind of stuck with great wine and not a great business. Um, I know you have a style that's very consumer-driven. Fair to say that? I mean, well, you're a guy that's you. on the ground. That's why you're here well, in Charleston. I love it. You told me before you were in the Carolinas, yes. you know, doing some market trips and all of that. Isn't that a difference? I mean, wouldn't you well, credit have, the growth? I have a lot of pleasure making the wine, but I have as much pleasure talking to people about it. Specifically, I need to tell you, Sam, in the U.S., Why? In the U.S., what I love about people is the fact that they're humble and they don't mind asking questions. And they don't mind saying, I don't know, tell me more. And I'm passionate about it. Like in an hour, I'm doing a blending seminars at 5 o'clock. I'm doing another one at 8 p.m. And then I'm meeting people at the bar to talk about bubbles and sparkling wine, 
Tomorrow I'm doing a sparkling wine seminars, etc. So every day I talk to people and for me the pleasure as we just did together, sabering a bottle of right. JCB bubbles. In front to, of friends and people. That's it. And that's the pleasure I have. And I love people more than anything else. You would take wine away. You could never take people. You put me alone on a desert island. With wine alone, I would not be happy. You are a passionate guy. And I Thank think you. that's why um, you're successful. Um, before we go, because we got to wrap up soon. I would say that you have your hand in a lot of other stuff besides wine. Just quickly tick off for me some of the fun other businesses that you have that I know you're, you know, I know you're a fashionista and I know there are a lot of, tell me about a couple of those other things that you're So doing. my favorite thing to do is to create and smell. So recently I created a line that you could find at Bergdorf Goodman, Neiman Marcus, my JCB fragrance. I'm very passionate about this because I've worked with three no's, as we call them in the world of fragrance. And I, over the last four years, I've created an amazing line, not thanks to me, but thanks to them, of fragrance. Right. I love that. The other thing I love is creating jewelry and design jewelry. I'm wearing a few for you today. A few. There's a butterfly. I, I know this is radio theater of the mind, but Scott Charles is wearing a beautiful pinstripe jacket, but in John Charles style, the pinstripes are like sparkly. And then on the lapels and even outside is this amazing detailed jewelry, butterflies, insects. I mean, I'm actually going to take a picture and I'll post it. So jewelry is another thing. That's well, fragrant. jewelry. And then I love food, as we all do. And I love, you know, food made in the right way. Sustainable, organic, slow food. Obviously, the movement I admire very much as well, and we active with it. So we recently bought the Oakville Grocery. The oldest continuous what year? store last year. Oh, so that's the reason. So I can confess to you that in the last 30 years, I've probably been there 120 times. Oh, thank you. you know, thank the you. best sandwiches, great, right? So we, we have the oldest Oakville wine merchant store founded in 1881, where we represent all our friends, 500 different wineries in the store, and very importantly, all the great producers of the U.S. So the goal with the Oakville Grocery for me is to highlight over 600 artisans of the West Coast and the United States on cheese, charcuterie, marmalade, tapenade, crackers, you know, you name it, of the wonderful food of the U.S. And I'm so proud of it because a lot of people tend to say, oh, I have to go to France or Italy for great food. Right. Not at all. We make Artisans amazing everywhere. cheese in America, amazing hams and amazing everything. So the Oakville Grocery, I'm very passionate about it because I really want it to be the window. We have three stores. Most likely we'll open more. And the goal is to showcase American great, local, sustainable, organic, and dynamic artisan. That's a great goal. Um, you know, when you visit Nap in the old days, you're driving south to north on 29 it's hard not to pass Oakville and stop in Well, and, we've and it is a window to great food, meat, cheeses and all of that and, all of it, and they always had good wines always I'm sure you're putting more in well we put everybody and everybody more importantly next to it we open our second museum which is called 1881 Napa Museum on the history of Napa Valley and every AVA and guess what we did Sam 
we put 12 Napa Tech machine, 48 wines plus 12, 60 wine by the glass, one ounce, two ounce or five ounce. So you could try everybody you want, not just what we make, right? but everybody in Napa Valley on a rotation. So you put your cards in the machine and at the Oakville Grocery, you could do that, which is important because I feel we have a mission to represent the community. Right. Not just who we are. It's best when everyone presents that That's it. Right. You could have your own tasting room and show your wine. Which we do. Right. And Sam, when you come, every other week we have a winemaker featured for a few hours a week. They come, we invite guests, and they speak about their wine. All right, so tell me about two more things quickly. The first one will buzz through. The second one, you spend a minute on it. Are you making vodka too? Yes. But, but wait, with caviar and truffle flavors? Correct. So it's Chardonnay Pinot wine that we infuse. Okay, so it's a vodka Chardonnay, so it's a grape-based. It's a grape-based, and we make wine. We distill it seven times, so it's very pure, and no alcohol smell because I don't like it. Okay. So it took me 15 years to perfect with our master distiller. And then we infuse it with Beluga caviar from France and with black truffle from the Perigord of France. Best. And then we make a gin with 54 different botanicals. Botanicals. So we've started that and then we just released a cognac. I'm afraid to tell you, Sam, I just turned 50, half a century. And I just released the 1969 Cognac. Berthier? Berthier. My favorite romantic, and I was lucky. That sounds pretty good. Central year. That sounds pretty good. All right, the last thing. Um, you made a wine with somebody that's a terrific person, John Legend. Oh, of course. Tell yes. me how that came about. Tell me what the wine is. Well, it's very exciting. We became friends. I said no for several years. And then thanks to Chrissy, beautiful Chrissy Teigen. He convinced me, and we started to make an Cab Chardonnay red blend, and recently just released a sparkling wine from France and a rosé from Provence. Five wines, and two in national distribution, three under allocation from Raymond Winery in Napa. So this is Raymond. So it's Boise, Legend, Raymond. That's right. And it's called LVE for Legend Vineyard Exclusive. And the only reason why we did it, one, because I love John, and two, we did it as a real joint venture. So it's together, and he comes to make the wines. We have a lot of fun. So he's having a fun time. You're having a fun time. I love it. Everybody wants to make wine, right? Well, and it's fun because we make wine in music. So wine has a melody. Right. There's a connection there. They're two very uh, deep things. All right. I got to wrap up could sit here forever with you there's certainly enough well, stuff thank to you talk and vice about. versa and i hope it's the beginning of many more i hope so too i hope to see you in new york i want to thank our guest john charles Bosset. you're listening to the grape nation on the heritage radio network we're coming to you from the charleston wine and food festival i'm sam ben ruby and we bring wine to the people this program is powered by simplecast 